0: So, uh, like I said earlier, my name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors here at Salem Presbyterian Church. Let me open us in a prayer. Father, thank you for gathering us. And as Ben said, we don't presume to be worthy or uh, wise or uh, great strategizers. So what we present here is something we think you would guide us towards, but let us hold it with open hands learn as a community what you would have for us. We love you, Lord. Amen. I'm excited to get to do this with you all. I, um, I, I, this is the part of my job that I love. I, I love to think about uh, how we can build what we like to say our trellises as a church so that vines can grow on them. Because that's the, that's the work of the church is for, to create fruitfulness. Um, but we have to do some structure work so that we can continue to see fruitfulness. So uh, I always like to say that I get to do a lot of trellis construction and then Van helps to cultivate vines that grow on that through the preaching. And then the community, of course, expands that through nurturing those plants. So I'm very excited. Um, a couple years ago, I presented um, a little presentation I called A Path Forward. It was probably mm, almost four years ago now. Uh, and uh, it was basically saying, "Hey, we, you know, Salem's allergic to things like strategic thinking. Uh, we don't like we don't like having goals." And I think that's a beautiful part of the uh, the culture, the ethos of our church. So we decided we'll use this phrase, a path forward. We'll use the indefinite article. This isn't the five-year plan. It's just a plan. You know, a path is not like the road to success. It's just like we could go this way. And basically, I shared some quotes with our leadership saying, uh, we don't want to be aimless, but we also want to be nimble. And so that's what we're trying to aim for is that we want to say, okay, let's have an aim, but let's be nimble enough to say maybe maybe we were wrong and God wants us to do something different. And I'm just going to start by sharing with you a couple of the things that I shared with the leadership at that time. Uh when we, when we met, I've done two Path Forwards. This is Path Forward 3. And uh, when, when we met for the first couple, uh, we talked about a few things. It was right when we moved into Calvary, which felt like a real shift in the identity of our church because we moved out of West Salem, out of Green Street. We'd been particularized for a couple years. And so we started using this phrase to meaningfully occupy the downtown neighborhoods. Because we just recognized that, yes, there were people like myself who live in West Salem who are part of Salem Prez, uh, but then a whole group of you had some sort of conspiracy and all bought houses within 50 feet of each other in West Highlands, and then there's a bunch of you that live in Ardmore, and there's people who live in Washington Park, and then there's people who live in, in other neighborhoods around Winston-Salem and even outside of Winston-Salem. So that meant we weren't just this, this church for West Salem, so we wanted to meaningfully occupy downtown. And then we said, well, let's pray to continue to grow our budget because our church is not having—well, actually, we've continued to have a ton of turnover in our membership, which I'm going to talk about. But we said, let's grow our budget to 400000 a year. Let's pray that God would give us $400,000 to work with because most of our—when money comes into this church, we're able to send it out. We don't have a building So we don't have a lot of overhead expenses, and we prayed that we could give more to Ruf at Wake Forest, and that we could give more to church planting through our presbytery. And I'm going to talk about those things. But then another thing that we said is, how can we start to give money as a church towards uh, a population of people that aren't represented in this church? And at that time, we thought maybe that would be a church plant, and we had no idea that that would be Ruf at Winston-Salem State and Really, for our Presbytery, Jonah and Ben have spearheaded that for this whole region. And so that was one of the things that we talked about, was inhabiting downtown, growing our budget, and then planting something that would expand uh, our investment in other, other areas, even if that meant we didn't see any uh, like return on that. Uh, and then, of course, we had the very challenging thing of changing our small groups a couple years ago, which uh, was hard for a lot of us, but also made it possible for lots of people to cross-pollinate the networks inside the church. So just a couple of things that I wanna share with you so you know where the church has been and is. it seems to be going. When I came on staff at the church in 2014, our average worship attendance was 113 people. And we had 83 members. So as of now, we have 198 members. And we average worship somewhere around 220 people. So the church has really almost doubled uh, just in the time that I've been here. And that doesn't mean that we're becoming a huge church and we're not aiming to be a huge church, but it means some things change. Uh, The culture of the church changes. Specifically, I would say you start to have multiple little communities, which is a good thing. It means there isn't just... One core. Some of you think that you're in the core, and then some of you think you're in the core, but you're in different cores. <laughs> and so that's a that's a beautiful thing that there are there are different subcultures in our church. So we used to have other challenges, which was like, how do you get into the core, and how are we going to uh, have enough money to support our UF? And those those challenges, God has provided for us in a lot of ways. But now we have new challenges. We have we've become a we're growing into a, a medium-sized church. So we have different people who've been around for different lengths of time. I mean, how many of you uh, have never been to a worship service at Green Street Methodist Church when we met there? Raise your hand. Okay, isn't that interesting? That was only four years ago that we met there. Um, so, like I said, our worship has grown over uh, has, has doubled over five years. Uh, anybody want to shout out a guess how many non-communing members we have? Non-communing members are the number, are the people who've been baptized, children who've been baptized, but ha- have not taken communion and joined the church yet. Somebody throw out a number: 800. 800. <laughs> if, you, if you chop a zero off, you're right. We have 80 non-communing members, okay? And the last, we've had a baptism every week the last three weeks, so that seems to not be slowing down. Uh, and then, we have grown a lot um, in, uh, with college students. We love you college students, we want to be your church home, we're glad that you're here. So we have uh, more people to care for, and, uh, and so when that starts to happen, pastors start to focus on caring for people, and it means less bandwidth to reach out to new populations. And, uh, and, and so we want to talk tonight about how do we stretch ourselves in outreach. And how do we stretch ourselves in giving, especially because I don't know if you know, but non-commuting members, they will join the church and we could have those 80 people are going to join the church over the next 10 years. OK, those 80 people are going to join us in the pews. That just assumes no new people come in, which, of course, we're adding just as many of those people. And uh, but if we add these non-commuting members, they don't really support the church financially. So that's going to stretch us. To care for all these people. And that, that's some of what we're going to talk about tonight. Don't worry, it's not a stewardship meeting, okay? I'm just That's a little footnote for you. So here are the things that I wrote in a paper, a really long paper that you don't want to read. I don't think anyone wanted to read it, but because I think about these things all the time, I sent an unsolicited paper to our leadership about two years ago saying here's, here's some things that I think are on the horizon. I think we're becoming a medium-sized church, I think that Ben and I are complementary. We love working together. We're different. I like to build trellises, and then he likes to grow things on them. And so how do we keep the two of us working in those ways but care for the people that we have and then think about the future? So here are some options. Uh, And and, uh, the first three that I'm going to share are the ones that I think are pretty common for churches like ours. And the first one is you just say, let's wait and see. And that, that's what we've been doing the last couple years. Um, we, we don't want to do anything. We don't want to change our staff or plant a church or buy a building. And the pros to that are is it has an idealistic view of our community. We just, we just keep it the same. We like how it is. Minimize our staff. Minimize our expenses. But the con to that is that it doesn't prepare us for the future. Um, you know... Some would say from this pulpit that it might overload the current staff a little bit. And then it can also halt and even reverse growth. So wait and see feels like something maybe not a good option for us at this point. The next one that is probably the most common thing that churches do when they get to our size, when you go from church plant where you just have a core group of people to like a real church that has a leadership of different subcultures and People who say, I remember when Salem was like this, but I never experienced it like that, so these are my expectations. And then those people are all trying to have community together. One of the ways that people solve, churches solve that, is they add administrative staff. They start adding a part-time person to write the liturgy, a part-time person to run the sound, part-time person to lead worship. Uh, and, And that is an easy way to sort of address growth in the short term because it's not expensive to add a couple of hours here and a couple hours here. Uh, It helps prevent overworking the pastors because you can delegate to those people. And it sort of solves the admin load. But it doesn't do kingdom outreach. It doesn't grow us outside. It just makes things easier in here. It makes retreat planning a little easier. It makes running sound a little easier. And then the other thing that it sort of takes away is something that Ben and I care a lot about which is what we like to call uh, duplicating leaders. Uh, when, you take, when you hire lots of admin, you say, you know what, uh, so-and-so who does uh, you know, like this thing in the church, we'll give that to an administrative person. And then you're taking it away from someone who's in the congregation owning it, and then hopefully drawing other people who are new into it, and that person can just kind of do it from their computer and, and get it done, and, and it doesn't create, like, the messiness of an organic networked community. And that, that's why we think maybe adding administrative staff is not a good idea. The third option is the one that we've talked a lot about over our history as a church, but we've never actually codified into a plan. And that is to plant a church. The, for a while, we talked about when we got to 150 people we would uh, we would plant a church. And that came that was a really common thing, especially uh, ten years ago. Malcolm Gladwell came out of a book, The Tipping Point, talked about how communities change when they get over 150, but he's talking about factories. And it there is something to think about there with their sociological research that, you know, once you get over 150 people in a leadership structure, it, it changes the dynamics of the community. So we thought, well maybe that's a number that we can aim for for when we should plant and the pros to planting are that it continues to have an idealistic view of community because you you take you know 200 people you put them in the two 100 person churches and you're back to where we were a couple years ago you know everyone knows everyone Uh, it promotes health because in that type of a church you can't hire a bunch of people the congregation has to own everything Um, it pushes your congregation towards leadership And it minimizes expenses because you just have a pastor at each plant, and then that's it, and then everyone knows everything else. But there are a lot of reasons that I've been saying that I think God at this time, and I think our leadership, we we all are in agreement, that we think that this is not the time for us to plant a church. Uh, We think that planting churches is a good thing, but we don't think that it's the way to solve our growth problem, if you want to call it a problem. And so here are some of the reasons we've talked about not planting a church. Um, The first is just that there's no obvious geography. There used to be an obvious geography. I put up a slide for our leadership when I did this presentation uh, of a map of all of our members. And then I put an overlay of all the PCA churches in our city and they're remarkably identical. And so do we need to plant churches? Yes, but not where these people live. Like we need to be a part of planting churches as, a, as, a, as an institution, but we're not going to solve the fact that we're growing and have grown by planting. Uh, another thing is that our presbytery is trying to push churches to not do little church plants out of their church, but instead do cooperative efforts. So like we all say instead of Salem saying we're planting a church over here and Redeemer saying we're planting a church over here and these things kind of going on concurrently. Our Presbytery is asking us, can we all just agree to find one place? Like, let's go plant a church in Mount Airy. Let's go plant a church in Burlington. Uh, so those, that's, that's more of the approach that our Presbytery wants to take, and we want to honor that. Another thing that we've talked about is just that I think having a strong Salem Pres is a good thing for our city, because there are less and less churches downtown. Uh, you know, some churches have had to sell their buildings or, or shrink some of their structures. And we're in this uh, beautiful relationship with Calvary Moravian where I think we can stay here and continue to have a strong Salem pres right downtown where we're taking all these people we have and all these financial resources we have and to be a part of REF at Winston-Salem State, REF at Wake Forest, supporting city with dwellings, supporting um, crisis control ministry. Uh, The other thing is that that 150 was when we were thinking more of these neighborhoods, but downtown has grown so much in the last five years. And so population density alone just means that there's a lot of people living here. So even if we wanted to plant a church, we might just end up planting a church like three blocks away, you know? So this might just be the reality that this church is gonna be a little bit bigger. Um, And then the other thing is just that the stability of a resource church, like I was saying, if, if we keep having resources, uh, ben and I love the fact that, like, our worship leaders go and lead in other churches. Uh, ben and I fill the pulpits in other churches. Our church is blessed with a lot of bandwidth, and we can continue to share that uh, because we're not in the midst of a big project like a plant. Okay, so that's, uh, that's sort of the, the uh, straw men options, as, uh, as they were worded when I put these out for our leadership. And then now I'm, I'm going to share with you what we think. Um, Really quick, you can't see this, but if I had a projector, this is what I told people. It's a GIF of Michael Scott, if you know me. This is an important part of my communication. His reaction to options, wait and see, and admin stuff are the reaction he had when he saw Toby return from Costa Rica. (laughs) And then his reaction to plant is, is, uh, wish I could, but I can't. Well, can, but won't. Should, maybe, but shouldn't. So we want to continue to do missionary outreach growth as a church. And let me just tell you what that – things that we talked about wanting to invest in in the future. We want to do things like church planting with our presbytery. We want to see – there's no PCA church in High Point. We'd love to see an RUF at High Point University. Ben worked on that for years, and that just – The door was not open and we'll pray that maybe it reopens someday. Our Presbyterians talked about having an RUF at Elon and trying to have a church in Burlington. We wanna be a part of those things. There's no RUF at UNCG. Uh, When you look at the map of PCA churches in Winston-Salem, they're all on the west side. And so we want to see things like planting in other parts of our city, other parts of our region. We wanna invest in that. We're about church planting. Um, But we want to do that as something that has no incentive for Salem. In other words, we want to pray and support things that are outreach, but not solving our growth. And so tonight, I'm just going to share with you in the last couple minutes where we're going with this. And I'm going to stick around if you have questions. And I just want you to know that this is the first of a conversation. Okay, so don't feel like this is the last conversation. First and last time we're going to talk about this. Um, But here's, here's what we've talked about, is that we would like to grow the staff of this church in a significant way. Not in a large number of people, but thinking about it with a lot of intentionality. And so the wording that we've used is we want to grow our ministry staff. And consolidate and keep our admin staff the way it is, and then plant churches with our presbytery. Okay? So, ministry staff growing, admin staff kept at a minimum so that we can continue to empower the congregation to own things, and then invest in church planting through our presbytery. So, we're talking about two categories of staff. We already have Ben and myself, and we're kind of calling ourselves ministry staff in this way. And then there's support staff. And that's been Laura Danlinger in the ministry coordinator position. And then also Laura Best, who is our children's coordinator. And they're doing great work and they freed up Ben and I a lot. And so we want them to continue to do that work and own that admin. But we think they've got that on lockdown. We think where we have needs are, in, are doing relational outreach ministry. And so what we would like to talk about tonight is adding two staff members. Uh, So Ben continuing as senior pastor, myself continuing as associate pastor. And then the next position that we would like to propose that we've shared with our officers is what we're calling a full-time director of, and then a bunch of uh, different uh, adjectives were thrown around and we didn't like any of them. But let me describe it to you. Um, We would like to hire a woman to be a full-time member of our ministry staff in a director position, preferably someone with some sort of uh, um, master's in social work or counseling or from a seminary in divinity but with a mindset towards pastoral like counseling type of work. And the reason for that is because uh, Ben and I are both educated in pastoral theology. If you need someone to write a sermon, if you need someone to help you think about scripture, we're your guys. But we are not trained in trauma or mental health. And those are areas that the church continues to need to have some expertise. Uh, We also want to acknowledge that we have a disproportionate number of young men in this congregation. And we think that one of the reasons for that is that Ben and I meet with a lot of the young men Uh, But we think that we could grow in our ability to, uh, especially with college-age women, uh, have someone who they can talk to about things, and especially as our youth grow older. Um, And then what's great about something like this is that uh, by expanding that relational outreach in the congregation, that will hopefully even free up Ben and I to not just be caring for the flock, but be out in the community trying to to reach out to people that we know who are skeptics or unbelievers. So that's the first position. It's full-time director position is kind of the ad hoc name for now, the the name we're putting a pin in. Uh, What what might this person do? They would meet with college and young adult females. Uh, They would contact female newcomers maybe. Uh, They would help consult our officers on mental health issues or trauma that people in our congregation are facing. Uh, They could help cultivate relationships between Salem Pres and local health professionals. And they might advise on how we need to refer people to mental health professionals. One thing I really want to underscore is that this person would not be doing counseling. They would be doing sort of informal uh, relational ministry just the way that Ben and I do. Not someone who's taking clients. This would not be like opening a counseling center through the church or anything like that. Okay, and then the other position, and then I promise we're gonna wrap it up in just a couple minutes here, is what we're calling a a pastoral fellow. And we're talking about someone who has not been to seminary yet. Uh, We would love it to be a recent college grad to do what we're calling a youth residency or a pastoral residency. Um, It could grow into something bigger, but it would start with just a one to two year program. Um, And the reason that we want to hire this position is because it's in line with our youth committee. We've had a youth committee over the last year. It was Ben and Chris Culler and then um, I think five women who are members of the church. Is that correct? Uh, Did an amazing amount of reading and consulting with other churches about what do we need to do to prepare for the tidal wave of young people that are coming our way in the next 10 years. And so their recommendation was that we need to do we need to have a staff position and they're going to share that paper later in the year. And we actually think we want this person to help us fill out more of the details of that. Um, but when we talk about a staff position, we're not talking about just a youth pastor or something. We want to we're thinking about. This as a position that's going to help us make the transition to think about what that position looks like in the future. Because Salem never wants to just do things the way that every other church has done it. We want to think about, but that that's not to be like you know, uh, smudging on the ways that churches have done things. That may be how we end up that way. But we want to we want to thoughtfully enter into anything that we do. And again, doing something like this where you have um, um, someone meeting with young women, someone meeting with youth up Ben and I to continue to work with the populations that we are already trying to spend time with. So what might this person do? Well, they would implement, revise, and formalize this paper that our youth committee has already started working on. They would meet with congregants and visitors, particularly youth. And then we also think it'd be cool if this person was able to cultivate relationships with college students. I know that my wife, and some of the rest of you who went to Wake Forest have been a part of other churches having youth ministries where there's mentoring relationships between college students and youth. And we'd love to see that grow in this congregation. Um, And then, uh, hopefully, if this person's interested in ministry after that, we can help them do some vocational discernment. So, uh, the last things I'll just say is, why do we think both of these positions? Uh, We think that these are both needs that... That we think that these are needs. Uh, and we think that they are needs that are uh, kingdom-oriented. They're oriented towards not a return on investment and making the life of the church easier. They're rooted in trying to reach out to people and disciple them, which is the mission of the church. They're also things that Ben and I, just frankly, are not uh, qualified for. We, we, uh, we're, not in, we're just not in a phase of life uh, where I mean, Ben is as a parent to to teenagers, but our, our training has been in preaching to a congregation of people the age of a lot of you. And uh, someone who identifies with younger people would be great in this residency program. And uh, and you know, I think there are there's so much space for uh, our leadership to understand the perspective of young women and to be able to meet with them. So. Uh, The sequence that we're talking about with this is that we would like to pursue this youth residency uh, this spring to have that person start the beginning of our fiscal year, July 1st. That wouldn't really disrupt our budget at all because right now we've had a surplus in our budget and this would basically close that surplus at our giving rate right now. And then we'd like to see after 2020 is over in January of 2021, or sooner but we'd like to see if if there is motivation from the congregation to increase our giving so that we can expand our budget then we'd like to pursue this full-time director position which would be a lot more expensive because that would be a long-term position where we're paying uh, you know benefits and, and things like that so uh, what we want to see where the growth if growth happens in the giving towards that mission so That is the path, a path forward, that is the a path forward presentation. So uh, let me pray for us and then I'll stick around if anyone has any questions. Lord, thank you for... Our congregation, thank you that you have done so many beautiful, miraculous things. We've watched you do things, move us from Redeemer to Green Street, to Calvary, back to Redeemer, back to Calvary. We have watched children be adopted. We've watched children be born. We have seen tragedy. We have seen uh, peace and conflict resolution. This has uh, been a congregation that has seen a lot in a number of years. And so. I at least celebrate that we are up here not talking about how to adapt to something bad, but potentially do some new and exciting things. Would you guide us and give us unity, Lord, around your vision? We love you.